Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over the week in racing. Uh, before we get to that, let me introduce you to the panel I have assembled tonight. I have with me Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing, race engineer Richard Uden, and the NASCAR correspondent from Motorsports Tribune, Seth Eggert. How is everybody tonight? Doing, Doing good. Fine. Very good, oh. thank you. All right, well, good to, good to have you guys on. It's always good to talk to you guys once a week. It's the highlight of my week. Uh, but this <laughs> oh, week, I... I feel so sorry for you. Oh, Richard. So, But but anyway, we've, we've got a special show lined up for you tonight. I have... Uh, also with us tonight, we have a special guest. We have Mr. Christopher Hinchcliffe, who is the author of the book Chasing Checkers. And the sequel to the book was released uh, yesterday, which would be Wednesday the 18th. And you'll find it in Amazon. And then later on, you'll find it in Barnes & Noble and all these other online retailers, as well as you can order in the bookstore. The sequel is called Chasing Checkers Acceleration. Um, and the, the book is inspired by Chris's baby brother, who you may have heard of um, from the IndyCar series, James Hinchcliffe, who uh, won two weeks ago in Iowa. Um, and we're going to talk about the book and the writing process and the new book. But welcome to the show, Christopher. Well, thanks very much. It's a real pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So before we talk about the book, let me just knock out the headlines real quick. So IndyCar was in Toronto. Um Scott Dixon uh, took the win as some of his rivals took themselves out or took one another out, but uh, that, that kind of opened the door to a very popular um, uh, third-place guy in the podium, Robert Wickens, who's uh, from the immediate area, and right behind him, your little brother, James Hinchcliffe, so we had a, you know Canada 3-4. Uh, it would have been nice for a 1-2 or a 2-3, but hey, you know, not bad at all for the hometown boys. Um, NASCAR was down in Kentucky with a very calm, <laughs> calm, clean race uh, at Kentucky where Martin Truex dominated um, and took the win there. 
Uh, so with that being said, Christopher, so the book Chasing Checkers, I, I want to just real quick throw out my impression of the book. Okay, I'm, I'm an avid reader, but I generally don't read fiction. Uh, I tend to read a lot of biographical stuff or historical stuff or whatever. But uh, I, you know, I purchased your book um, on the Kindle. I downloaded it as I started to read it. I got a little lost in the beginning until I realized, I said, "Oh, he's um, alternating the timeline between flashback and uh, current action." But once I got the rhythm of the book, it just sucked me into the story. And I read it all the way through the end, and believe it or not, it, towards the, those final chapters there, I, I was physically cheering at my Kindle, saying, man, go go get him, Teddy. Get him, Allison. Yeah, so, I mean, the book is that captivating. Um, I thought it was fantastic. So I want you to kind of give us the background of, of how you, you know, first thought of the idea to, to write the book. Obviously, there's some inf- inspiration from your, your brother, uh, so let's uh, just real quick the background on on the book, uh, uh, where you got the story from, and and how you decided to go ahead and write. Well, look, <clears throat> uh, first of all, Frank, I mean, thank you so much uh, for saying that. I, uh, uh, I I might say off the bat, you weren't you're not the only person who uh, who had a little issue with the time shifting right off the bat. That was uh, that was I, I guess I didn't signal that quite well enough, but. Uh, but it's, re- it's really, really nice to hear that uh, uh, that it sort of grabs you the way it did. So thank you for saying so. I, um, I, I, the, I mean, the, the idea for the book, I gave, I gave a few talks at some libraries uh, in Indianapolis when I went down for the races uh, this month. And I sort, of, I sort of told the story behind the book uh, a little bit. And I mean, for, for me, I, I spent most of the last decade basically in graduate school uh, and and teaching law and, and philosophy uh, uh, mostly mostly over in England and uh, and you know it was it was it was late in my sort of graduate career when when my brother had his big accident and it, it was one of these moments when when you realize that uh, you sort of take stock of things and I realized that you know my whole family was on the other side of the ocean and they were all consumed basically with uh, with James's career and you know I had been kind of been off doing my own thing. And, uh, and so when, when the accident happened, I was like, oh man, I, I, I got to find a way to, 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 to connect with, with this, but I can't, you know, I can't participate in the racing or anything like that. But James has this great story and all the drivers have these great stories that a lot of people don't see because they just, you know, they focus on the racing or the drama with, you know, getting contracts and whatever. But to me, it, you know, what I know is I know the kid, I know the guy who came up through go-karts and uh, uh and and formula atlantic and all this kind of stuff uh before he got to the big race and i thought you know there's a great story there to tell um you know i had a break between teaching and writing and stuff and i thought oh i'm gonna i'm gonna give this a shot and uh and well and, and that's that's sort of where the book came from so i, I want to ask you this as i as i read through the book right i number one it's it's quite an easy read the the technical jargon is to a minimum the, the the length is not epic, uh, but the characters, the main characters are teenagers, right? And you've done a, a great job of, you know, kind of capturing how those uh, teenage boys, when they get together, are uh, goofy and whatnot and not sure how to act when a, you know, pretty girl walks by and whatnot. And it's, and as I was reading all this, I'm thinking, you know, this story would really appeal 
to young readers, you know, and and if we know anything from you know Harry Potter and Percy Jackson, that the young reader market is huge. I, I, is there anything uh, sales data wise that that kind of tells you who's buying the book and and have you captured this market? Uh, um, you know, I, I mean, I made a conscious effort to to you know make it accessible to sort of as wide a range as possible because I knew initially that. Uh, you know, being being a first time author, I, I was basically looking at people who were going to be attracted to it primarily because of the racing connection or the James connection. Um, you know, I, ha- I had designs to, to to capture a wider audience, uh, and the uh, this I mean the surprise I mean the surprising thing to me was that it's actually all ages. I mean, I get I get people, uh, I get I get you know parents and you know who read it with their kids uh, emailing me, and then I get you know sixty five year olds who like to watch the races at home and they get it. And, uh, and the people who come up at the, the signings at the races, it really just runs the full, the full range. Um, it's, it, it would be hard for me to say, uh, you know, which, which demographic is, is, is sort of gravitating it to, uh, towards it the strongest, uh, which in a way is, is, you know, it's, it's, it's really, uh, uh, it's really a nice thing, nice thing to learn. But, uh, I, one of the things I learned subsequent to writing the book, um, was you know was was a little bit more about uh, sort of the struggles that IndyCar is having in a way of growing as a as a as a spectator sport and you know I have these I have these uh, these great uh, pie in the sky kind of dreams of well you know maybe if we can get this book to to people who are readers but not necessarily race fans maybe we can turn some of them into race fans too I don't know but uh, but yeah no it's 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 sort of it's sort of run the whole the whole range yeah that's a good point you make that you can. You know, maybe turn readers on to being race fans because actually, if you read the story, you don't have to be a race fan to like the story. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue, there's a lot of drama. You know, Ted, Teddy, the main character, is a very complex character. You know, he's he's got this. Uh, we you know without ruining the book for anybody else. He, you know, he's got this secret about his past that's been held from him that he finds out right before the biggest moment of his life, and he's got to deal with that. You know, and then then he meets Allison, who's knows more of the secret than Teddy does himself, and he's got to deal with that. So there's a lot of uh, emotions going there, and and it's just, I mean, you can you don't even have to like racing to like this book, but uh, I mean, if you do like racing, it's uh, it's twice as good. But yeah, I wanted to ask you, when you write, okay, what's what's the environment you like to write in? Do you like to just hole up in a corner of the house and tell everybody else to be quiet or do you like a little distraction behind you or 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 do you are you or do you write like me and have 15 tabs open on your on your browser while you're looking stuff up <laughs> uh no no for, for for me uh writing is definitely a, a, sol- a solitary pursuit i um uh, i yeah, i typically write at home uh on my own you know in an office at a kitchen table whatever uh, occasionally, maybe if I'm doing some editing or something, I'll go to a coffee shop. But you know, I'll put in some music. I don't, I don't, I don't like having people around. Uh, it's, it's, it's. You know, I'm lucky. You know, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was either living alone or I was, I was working alone. Uh, I was living with my girlfriend who was, uh, who was away from the house uh, at, the, at the time I was writing most of it. So I, I would definitely take those hours when I was on my own. For me, it was very much you had to. I had to just like be alone with the with the laptop to to get it done for sure. All right, now Seth, you've got a quick question for Christopher. 
yes, I do. Uh, first off, while writing as part of the process for some of the scenarios as far as, say, some of the accidents that take place that you describe in the book, did you ever run any of them by James to see if they were realistic situations that could happen in racing, whether it's the go-kart that, without ruining too much of the book, runs up Teddy's back in one of the flashbacks, or even the penultimate crash towards the end? Yeah, uh, great question. So uh, I, I, I'll sort of, I'll sort of give two, you know two two parallel answers here. Um, the, the 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 first is just to say, and this is to address a question that everyone always has, which is how much of the story is true. Uh, and the answer is the overarching story is is fiction. Obviously, you know we learn right off the bat that uh, that Teddy is adopted. Um, you know his parents are divorced. He has one sibling. You know, none of those things are true about James uh, and, 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 and all the stuff we learned about the secret past. That's all sort of false. But a lot of the scenes um, in the first book are, are actually just taken directly from things that happened in James's experience going up uh, through, through, the, through the ranks. So that, that the one scene, the go-kart uh, riding up on his back, that actually happened. That is actually something that happened to James uh, in, 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 I don't know if it was his first season exactly, but it was, it was, you know, it was early, early on in his go-kart career. And that, that almost scuppered the whole thing because, you know, as soon as that happened, my mom was, was, was like, that's it, we're done, this is not happening anymore. Uh, uh, we're, not, we're not putting him on one of those, um, uh, uh, those, those vehicles ever again. But uh, so, so that, you know, that's that part. And the other thing is, I mean, James, James read and signed off on both books. He was my, he was my technical consultant um, uh, on both books, and, and, and he made great suggestions uh, in both cases. The, the one thing in the first book um, that he made the most, uh, 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 um, he gave me the most feedback about was actually there's there's one race uh, or one scene that takes place uh, racing in the rain, and and he said to me he's like you know Chris this is great but you know you really need to you, you need to explain to people that racing in the rain is the most terrifying thing you will you know you can ever do it is you know you can't see anything you have no idea what's going on around you the spray everything is white out it's 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 absolutely terrifying and you need to you need to beef that section up so uh, uh, so I mean James was. James wasn't involved in sort of the writing of the initial drafts, but uh, but James definitely signed off on 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 both drafts before before anyone else saw them, um, and he was the one who uh, who was making sure that I hit those sort of technical points. Uh, so I mean, there's you know there's there's, there's a couple accidents that uh, are maybe slightly more fantastical than than you might expect, but then again, I saw a car leap over the back of another car and do a barrel roll in Toronto this weekend. So. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, that was that was wild. <laughs> that was quite the uh, the Star Mazda race. Yeah, I don't know if any of you have you guys seen the clip of that one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, yes. I I was terrified, and I was so glad that the the driver was okay. Yeah, that was, and and we've seen that sort of thing in racing, and and you know James has had, uh, you know his his record Indy was nearly you know ne- nearly took his life. I mean, it didn't look that bad. On, on camera, but but then when when you heard the story, and I heard him tell the story of that, and uh, you know, it's just just an amazing you know story of recovery. So, well, but this and this and this is the thing. I mean, both about you know the thing about James's wreck and and you know about writing about racing, you know, writing fiction about racing. I mean, the thing about James's wreck is 
I remember I got the call. I was in England, and my mom called me up because, you know, it was a practice, so I wasn't watching or anything. My mom calls me up and says, James is in the hospital. My first thought is, oh, okay, mom, you know, she, you know, she overreacts, whatever. Uh, so then I look up the video, and I see a video of the crash, and I thought, meh, I've seen worse, right? It didn't look all that spectacular a crash. It wasn't until days later that I really got the full picture of it. But, uh, and, 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 and the other thing is, I mean, the reality is there's this... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. On a, on a weekly basis, there's really only a handful of incidents that you, that you typically see on a racetrack. I mean, you do get, you know, once a year, you maybe get something really fantastic. But for the most part, the, the crashes more or less are, are predictable because all the drivers, you know, they know what they're doing. So the kinds of mistakes that are even possible or likely to happen are fairly limited. So it's true that when writing fiction about these things, uh, if you do, you know, first of all, I try to be a little bit careful with putting too many accidents in because, you know, it becomes a bit of a gimmick. But, you know, after a while, you can't just keep having the same thing happen. So you have to try to make them a little bit, you know, a little bit different every time, even if it, uh, you know, is, is unlikely. The nice thing is in, in both of these books, these are still fairly young drivers that we're dealing with. So um, so the, the possibility of them making more dramatic mistakes leading to more dramatic incidents uh, in my opinion, anyway, is a little more believable. Absolutely, yeah. So now I wanted to ask you this real quick because I want to circle back to the, um, you know, the um, conversation about uh, maybe the book will help get folks on board with IndyCar. In in the book, you you refer to the Ampro series and the Ampro 500 and the Ampro yeah. Light series, which is obviously IndyCar. Uh, is there any particular reason that you didn't? Is is that a copyright thing, uh, or did you just want to make sure it was fictional? Because I, I would personally think that uh, if you had reached out to IndyCar and say, "Hey, can we use your name?" that they might have been on board with that. Or is it just a just a, a writer's thing to make it fictional? Do you know uh, the the initial reasoning for that was? And you have to remember, I mean, this was something I wrote initially just, just kind of as a bit of a laugh. I, you know, I didn't know how seriously I was going to take it in the end. Um, so part, part of the reasoning was, you know, I wasn't sure if, if, if I was going to be able to use the, the, the proper names or anything. But also, uh, I wanted to create enough of a, enough of a gap that uh, if, I, if I needed to, I could, I could, you know, make up rules. I could, you know, I could fudge the... Uh, uh, the technical specifications of the cars. I wanted to allow myself a little bit of license creatively um, rather than making sure that I was going to have to go and read the, the IndyCar Bible every time I wanted to talk about something that was happening in, in, a, in a race or at a track. In the second book, you know, after the first book, you know, the way it was received, I decided that I, I wanted to take a step back towards, towards realism. So in the, uh, in the second book, for instance, there's, um, you know, all the tracks that they race on are real tracks. Um, and I use I use their names and I, and I try to pull a little bit more of that realism into it. 
but I was already I was already sort of committed to the to the the the, art, the, the fake series the uh, the fictional series that I'd created in the first book. So I'm hoping there's a bit of a balance there. But honestly, it was it was it was just to allow myself the freedom to 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 sort of make things up uh, uh, without having to uh, call up the race stewards to make sure I wasn't uh, I wasn't getting involved in an incident. That actually makes a lot of sense. That's a that's a fantastic, that's the perfect answer to my question. Yeah, it makes sense. So, but let, let me ask you this: so, years ago, to, to get a book to press was a very daunting process. Yeah, you, you I mean you had to commit to so many copies of a hard copy before they would even let you do a paperback, and then you then then they would put this clause in in your in your contract that uh, if the books don't sell you have to buy them back now in, in the digital age right uh, and this it's a little more convenient for a writer or a filmmaker or even a musician to kind of get their product out to um, an audience you know may, maybe not as big an audience as as you would get with Simon and Schuster but uh, so can you just kind of like maybe give us a little advice for writers that are trying to uh you know get their their first publication and and how to get it out there absolutely no i mean the 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 decision for me um to uh to publish independently was uh it was really a no-brainer i mean i to go through the traditional publishing process which is still quite arduous um uh, uh and still worthwhile you know depending on what you're looking for it didn't make sense for me because, you know, I knew that initially uh, I was going to be marketing to an audience that I kind of already had access to, you know, through through social media and stuff with James and everything like that. And, you know, my expectations were very, very minimal. I wasn't trying to, you know, write the next, uh, uh, you know, Harry Potter or anything like that. So for me, it was I'm, I'm going to I'm going to write something and, and, and put it out there. So I was very lucky and, and not every author is going to have that um uh, going in, so you really have to cl- you have to clarify for yourself what your goals are. If you're looking for recog- if you're writing a literary novel, let's say you know, and you want to be reviewed by the big reviewers and in the journals and all that kind of stuff, you really have to go the traditional publishing route, and that involves finding an agent first, and that agent is going to connect you with a publisher, and you're going to get rejected for two, three, four years probably before you finally get a deal, and then maybe it'll it won't go anywhere. And even then, you're probably going to have to do tons of self-promotion. If you want to go the other route, and this is true if you're doing genre fiction, maybe you like to write mystery novels or you like science fiction adventure novels or something like that, right now is a great time to be writing that kind of stuff because of the way uh, you can now put your work out there. You, can, you, know, you publish it with, with, uh, with Amazon or, um, or you know, any of these other uh, web-based uh, companies that will help you distribute it, getting it actually uh, sort of ready to print, or you know, if it's an ebook, you can just start with an ebook. Lots of people. I mean, the the, the electronic book market is 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 growing every year. Um, you don't even need to worry about print costs and things like that. Uh, but but the key, the key is, you, you know, you can't just think of yourself as an author if you're going to go that route. You have to be prepared to um, uh, to be a marketer as well. Now, again, in my case, I had a, I had a bit of an advantage because I already had some some help. You know, I had some help from my brother. Um, but you know, I, I uh, in the last, especially leading up to the second book, you know, you have to look into 
uh, the, the ways you invest in advertising with Facebook or with Amazon. But there's so many resources out there online now to help you with that. That uh, I mean, if, if, if you want to give it a shot, I mean, I really do think now is a great time for people to, um, uh, 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 to do it. I mean, it's, and that's, that's kind of a short, uh, superficial answer. I mean, there's all kinds of details you could go into, and anyone is very welcome to send me an email, and I can tell them what I know and point them in the right direction. But, you know, these days, so many great editors are working freelance, cover designers. There's all kinds of – all the resources that a major publishing company has – um, you know, uh, an indie author has access to now, and as long as you're, you're, you know, you 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 take the right steps and you and you treat yourself as a publisher and you take your your own book seriously, um, you know, there's no reason you can't make a uh, make a great a great novel, um, and you know, with a bit of luck and a bit of you know a bit of marketing, uh, there's there's no reason you can't have a huge success on your hands as well. But at, at the end of the day, you know, if you're if you're going to write, you're going to put it out there. Uh, you have to do it because you enjoy doing it. You know, you can't you can't expect success. You can't you can't bank on it or anything like that. Because along with the ease of publishing comes the proliferation of authors uh, who are out there playing the same game. So it's 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 more competitive now than ever on the indie market. Um, to the point where you know it's it's competitive to to sell the books that you put out yourself, or it's competitive to get that publishing deal that everyone wants. So either way. You know, you're kind of in it now. There was maybe a period a couple of years ago when, you know, the indie market was a little bit smaller and, and there was a bit more of a wild west. Uh, you know, maybe the chances were a bit uh, a bit better. But uh, but nowadays you really just, you know, it's 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 kind of a gamble either way. So you have to just have to be clear on what your goals are, I think. That's great advice. Just be clear with your goals. I like that. So I want to ask you about my favorite quote in the book. OK, that I've. This is this is my favorite line in the book. It says, and it comes from Greg, the racing instructor. He says, because there are so many variables in racing, the possibility of miracles is higher on a racetrack than in any other form of sport. Is that something that you came up with on your own, or or is that something that maybe James helped you with, or somebody? Uh, else had come up with because that 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 line is so true in racing and uh i just i i, I read the book twice and still that line sticks out to me oh wow okay it's funny i mean that's uh i i mean i really liked that line and you're and actually you're the first person who's sort of uh who's pulled it out there for me i um no honestly that that is something that uh uh I mean, I want to say it came from me. It was not something that anyone sort of told me. Uh, you know, I mean, the reality is living in a racing family, I, I may have heard versions of that or or just sort of absorbed that kind of wisdom through osmosis. But the reality is I've been watching I've been watching my my brother go through this thing. And I mean, I say on the racetrack or Greg says on the racetrack in the book, but uh, and this comes up a lot more in the second book. It's just as true in the off season with getting rides and finding sponsors and this, the, the, the amount of things that can go right, you know, that can go wrong and can go right. Like it's, it's, it, uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's, it's all luck or anything like that, but you, I mean, you really don't know. You really don't know. Anything can happen. And, you know, everyone I'm sure listening and, and certainly all you guys, you know, have seen enough races. Uh, you all have probably a dozen moments where, uh, that you can remember 
where you're just like, I can't believe that just happened. You know, everything's going along. You think you think you've got the next, you know, the next half of the race figured out. And the next thing you know, everything has changed. You know, everyone who was on the top is on the bottom. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Alex Rossi from the back uh, with his foot on the clutch and no gas left, crossing the finish line at 100 miles an hour, winning the Indy 500. Like you just it's just anything can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah, so but I just like I said that that quote from the book from Greg sums up racing in a nutshell, and it's like it's man, if that's all you, you are brilliant. No, <laughs> you are you are too kind, sir. Too kind. Oh yeah. Now, Seth, you have another question for Chris? Uh, I do. Uh, as you mentioned, you were in a racing family with James Racing. I'm just curious if you left any. Uh, hidden homages, uh, honoring people in racing, whether they were drivers, uh, owners, mechanics, because there were some uh, passages in the book, uh, say the Red Gloves, uh, uh, Frank and I were talking before the show, uh, we were both picturing, say, Greg Moore, and also some of the names we pictured, uh, Graham Hill and some others. Uh, there, there absolutely were. Um you know, uh, so so Greg Moore uh, definitely has, uh, uh, you know, again, not wanting to spoil things uh, about the book. Uh, you know, those who have read it, you know, sort of know why the red gloves are important in the story. Um, and uh, and the reason they're important in the story is obviously not exactly the same, but it's very, very similar in a way to um, to why. Uh, they are, in fact, important to James. Of course, James wears the red gloves in honor of Greg Moore, um, who was a huge hero of his, you know, another Canadian driver, you know, died too young. Um, that was, you know, that was a very, very conscious decision. And, you know, and, and exactly. And there's, there are a handful of references throughout. Uh, I'm going to have to confess, I'm, I'm by no means a, a motorsports expert, Um uh, in, in my family, but, you know, it's impossible to sit around the dinner table uh, uh, as many nights as I have hearing everyone else talk about, uh, you know, my dad and my brother uh, go on about racing and not, not pick up a few things. So, um, so yeah, the, 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 if you think it's a reference, then, then you've probably caught something. Although I have to say there's a few people who have, who have, uh, who have said that I've, I've, I seem to have made references that I, even I don't, I don't realize. So again, it's possible that they, that they snuck in there, uh, uh, subconsciously uh or that i picked up by osmosis or something but uh but the red gloves i mean that's 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 definitely one of them and a lot of a lot of the characters um you know even a, a couple of the, the 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 drivers that that teddy competes with um are let's just say they're uh uh, uh, uh compilations is the wrong word what's the word i'm looking for they're uh you know they're sort of packaged uh, packaged characters based on people that maybe James is racing against now or has raced against in the past. So, you know, people can look for things like that if they want as well. Yeah, you've got the great rival right there with the, the guy whose dad's a Formula One, um, Formula One champion. And yes. The, the, yeah, dad, yeah, yeah. The, the dad comes in and everybody in the room <laughs> stands up and, oh, well, that's a, that's a, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and experience uh, and, ones, yeah. Yeah, so... But speaking of characters in the book, my favorite character in the book is the Russian mechanic Maxim. Um, I think he's, for me anyway, 
the most fleshed out character in the book and when I say that I mean it's like when I when I read the bits about Maxim I can see him in the blue overalls and uh, uh, large larger than life man here uh, slapping Teddy on the back and almost knocking Teddy down and say oh yeah you'll be get him next time uh, you know uh, I want to know in the sequel, do we see Maxim some more, or see? Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, I get I get that reaction a lot. A lot of people love Maxim. I love Maxim. He was one of my favorite characters uh, uh, to write and to work with. Um, in the uh, in the second book, he uh, uh, he has a, a slightly smaller role. Um, but, uh, uh, he is definitely in there. Uh, again, there's, there's some, you know, potential for spoilers, but, uh, yeah, he is, de- he definitely makes a comeback. I, it, it's, it's one of those things that if I were to go back and write the second book again, uh, I might try to find a way to make him a bigger part, even than he was in the first book, because I know how much people liked him. But, um, uh, again, without without uh, without wanting to uh, to commit myself or give too much away, I, I have I have tried to leave space for a third book, and uh, and you can be sure that uh, of the handful of characters who I'd like to continue working with, um, he'd uh, he'd definitely make the cut. Excellent. He's, uh, I'm going to say he's a fantastic character. So now Seth and I were talking earlier that we that we kind of thought that you're. You know, the chasing checks would translate well to film, but at the same time, you know, Hollywood has a horrible reputation of making great racing movies. There's only a, a handful of really good racing movies. But uh, have you ever thought about what uh, what you know, uh, chasing checks would chase chasing checkers look like as as a film, or even uh, or even a you know, like like a direct to Netflix something like that, or or do you just prefer to keep the written word? No, I would. Listen, I, I would. I would. I would actually love to see what someone would do with this on the screen. And uh, you know, I've I've mentioned it. I have a couple of friends who who work in that industry, and and uh, and we've and we've sort of thrown back ideas uh, uh, about how to maybe you know float that uh, possibility to to people people around there. I mean, the the one thing that maybe maybe chasing checkers or a story, you know, and you know, based on that on that book, kind of has going for it is that, you know, most racing movies, you know, are 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 centered around, you know, professional drivers that are already there. It's 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 either it's a redemption story or it's a, or it's a big you know big championship. It's they're all pros. They're very adult. I think that. You know, having something with a bit more of a teen drama kind of side might be easier to, you know, to 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 put into a film that could appeal to a wider audience. I mean, it's like you said. I mean, I, I I tried to make the story not entirely focused about racing, but also about what it's like to be a racer or someone trying to be a racer. Oh, you know, it's like the characters, you know, or at least the character of Teddy. I mean, he's not yet a professional racer. You know, it's not yet his whole life. Um, and so in that sense, it might, you know, it might translate well into a, into a film. It's really a story about a, about a, about a young man who wants to be a driver. It's not a story about a, uh, about a driver who's trying to win a championship or, you know, who's, who's trying to prove himself against uh, a better driver or something like that. 
So that's my, uh, I don't know, that's, that's my thought. But I'd love, to, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it on screen. Why not? Why not? Yeah, and, and the funny thing is right now that we were talking about the, <clears throat> the book industry is a little more open to, uh, uh, with other avenues. So is the film industry because you've got all these, you know, I have a daughter who's 13, and she will watch anything that's a Netflix original series. You know, if they if they made it a Netflix original series, she'll latch onto it, whatever it is. You know, whether it's Teddy in a race car or or you know, kids in a classroom, and and there's just a a, a wider audience, um, or it's just easier for somebody to get their product out there to the masses, um, and you know, whether it's successful or not, yeah, we don't know. So, but um, now, Richard, you want to chime into the conversation, and you've got a question for Chris. Yeah. Um, two questions, really. Uh, firstly, just purely on interest level, you said you're living in the UK for a little while. Where in the motherland were you living? Uh, I, w- I was living in Oxford since you asked. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's not far from where uh, we lived in Bicester. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, not far at all. Yep. Yeah, where, yeah, there you go. It, it, the outlet mall. Oh, don't even talk to me about that place. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, sorry, everybody. That's a completely personal conversation. Um, yeah, that's between y'all. I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> um, on sort of, you know, more of the concept of publishing a book, because it's something that I, I've i got a huge amount of respect for people that can do this sort of thing, because I've got no sort of writing ability to that level to uh, uh, of any extent. But what's it like when you actually publish a book on the day when it gets published? Are you sort of like... Checking all the, uh, you know, it's charts on, uh, you know, the um, Kindle charts and the uh, uh, iBook sort of store and all that sort of stuff, or is it? Don't you get that instant feedback from it? Uh, so for the uh, for the for the first one, it was definitely like that. I, uh, uh, you know, I had the launch all planned out. It was uh, it was supposed to basically time up at the start of the race season uh, last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I I called up my editor, and I had a you know a bottle of wine at the ready, and I'm like, all right, let's go. And we <laughs> you know we sent out the blast. Okay, book is live, you know. And I'm checking, and I'm checking, and I'm checking. And for the next few days, I'm checking every five minutes, hitting refresh, looking at the Amazon ranking, checking my. Uh, <laughs> I had a, a distributor that sort of tracked the eBooks, and I was checking that. And it was great. Um, this book uh, was a little bit more. Uh, it was honestly, it was more of a slog, um, both the writing, the editing, and, and then finally the publishing than the first one. And, you know, at, at today, you know, so, so well, I'll say, I, I guess, yesterday for the listeners, but, um, you know, when I, when I was finally announcing that the, the, the book was live, I, was, I sent an email to my mail list. I'm like, okay, guys, the book's up. I'm going to bed. Uh, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was literally it, and I, I swear if it weren't if it weren't for uh, for my, my my appointment with you guys, I would be uh, probably uh, half in the bag and or passed out on the sofa by now. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll check in with the numbers next week because uh, I just uh, it's 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 I mean I'm still I'm still excited. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but it's it's been a very different experience the second time. I have to say. I guess it's like parents would they have the first child every time it cries they're checking upon it and then the second child they're like nah it's fine. Uh, you're speaking to a, a second child, a middle child right here. So uh, you're, <laughs> you're you're tapping into my deepest uh, insecurities. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, good luck with it anyway. I hope it's uh, I hope it's a big success. Oh, thanks so much. All right, so Chris, now 
James had raced all these go-karts and stuff when you were his older brother. Did you ever, like, hop into one of his go-karts or race cars just to run around the track? Or have you ever tried any racing on your own? Or You know, uh, so, I, I mean, the story I tell of this was... You know, I was, I was, uh, you know, I say I was, I was born, I'm in a racing family. And by that, I mean, you know, my father uh, was super into racing. You know, he's from Leeds, uh, you know, shut up, another UK reference. Uh, he, he, you know, he, came, he came over in the 70s. Uh, but, you know, he was always into racing. And, uh, uh, and so, you know, that, that was his hobby. And so he tried to get his boys involved. You know, we have a sister as well, and she was sort of interested in it, but she kind of did her own thing. She was more into, I don't know, horses and stuff. But, you know, initially, I was very happy to go to the track and, you know, go go car show, go to car shows and stuff, um, as much because it was like the boys hanging out, doing the boys thing. Um, and But when he, when he was in his, I don't know, well, when he was in his 40s or something, he started racing, my dad, that is, started racing in this... Uh, sort of vintage uh, British sports car league, you know, this weekend, this weekend warriors thing, which again is sort of referenced in, in the book. Um, and, uh, and it was at, it was at one of these races that uh, someone else that da- my dad was racing with planted the seed uh, 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 in our minds to get James into, uh, uh, into driving go-karts. And, James just kind of like lit up, right? It was like throwing a, you know, a match on a pile of hay soaked in gasoline. And the second that James started racing, it was like any interest I had in racing kind of like evaporated. It was like, oh, okay, I guess that's his thing. And I went off and sort of was interested in other things for the longest time. It wasn't until much later that I sort of came back around to it. And so, so I mean, the, the, uh, you know, to make a short story long, uh, no, not really. I, uh, I never got into his go-karts. Um, I never tried racing myself. Uh, you know, I was interested in driving well on the roads. You know, my dad was always insistent that we would go to skid school and, and learn how to handle cars on the roads. I had a lot of fun doing, um, you know, like a one day, uh, racing academy, uh, at a track, uh, here in Ontario called Mo Sport. Uh, again, referenced in the book. I tell you, it's a lot, a lot of true stuff in there. Um, uh, so, you know, I, but I remember that day I was there with a, with a, with a bunch of other, you know, friends and, and colleagues of my father's. We had this track, we did this, this full day racing course and we go out and James, James popped by for the afternoon session and we're driving these formula two thousands around this track at most sport, the Bridgestone racing Academy. It was, and within, uh, five minutes on the track, it was like, we're all still bunched up together, you know, chasing each other, having a good time. And James is just on the other side of the track. Like, it's just, it's night and day. So, uh, and, and at that point, I mean, he was, you know, this was, this was far from uh, his, his days as an indie driver, you know. But the, the driving, trying to drive against James is, uh, I don't know, it's, 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 it's like trying to, uh, uh, trying to play piano next to Beethoven or something. It's, it's just, uh, it's not, it's kind of not worth it. <laughs> I, le- I leave that to James. I leave that to James. Fantastic. Now, Richard, you got one more question? Yeah, well, one final question. I think we're going to start talking about some of the racing soon, but uh, who's the best dancer in the family? Ah, oh, oh you've, hit, you've hit a nerve. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> the, 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 thing about, the thing about dancing is that when James uh, took the, the, the Dancing with the Stars thing, none of us had ever seen him dance 
a single move. And I, I've been to the odd dance club with him, you know, in, in the years. I hadn't even seen him on the dance floor at his own after parties, you know, at the Toronto Indie or anything like that. So we all thought it was going to be hilarious to watch him dance. <laughs> so whereas I, I was like a drama theater kid in high school, right? So I always fancied myself sort of the dancer in the family. And so when James, you know, starts, starts drilling himself uh, t- eight, ten hours a day, uh, as as he does with that spirit of his and pulls out the performance that he did, he really stuck a knife in my chest because, <laughs> um, well, I guess I can never do that again. Um, so I, I, I used I used to want to say it was myself, but I, I really don't I really don't think I can, I really don't think I can say that anymore. All right. You know. Chris, I wish you the best with the new book. I can't wait. I can't wait to read the new book myself. I've, like I say, I've got it downloaded in my Kindle. Going to start reading it tomorrow. Um, but uh, quickly, tell our listeners where we can find you on social media, uh, where we can where we can download the book, the first one and the second one, and then we'll we'll start talking about the Grand Prix of Toronto. Great. Well. Um... You can find me uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, my handle on all of those is uh, uh, C M Hinchcliffe, um, spelled just like James's name, so it's not too hard. And uh, if you want to find the book right now, it's just on Amazon. Um, so, uh, but if you check out the website chasingcheckersbook.com, I will uh, I'll be putting up links to the other sites uh, as it becomes available there. You can join the reading uh, the the mailing list um, for other other sorts of uh, uh, fun fun little tidbits, and um, and you can also get a free uh, the the first chapter of the first book is uh, is available for download there as well. So uh, I suggest they start there. Now you are at the Grand Prix of Toronto signing books. Um, do you have plans to be at any other the other other races this year? Going to be Mid Ohio or Sonoma or. I had I, I had hemmed and hawed about Mid Ohio. Sonoma is the one I really want to go to, and I and I still I still plan to try and make it to, um, not least because you know as as you mentioned, it may you know first of all it's a great it's a great track, it's a lovely you know place to visit, um, and and now it may be the last time they do it there. So uh, so I'm I'm really hoping to make it to uh, uh, to Sonoma. Otherwise. You know, next year, Toronto, obviously, I, I do my best to make it down to Indy for the month of May. Um, but, yeah, at, at the moment, that's all I've got on the books. Okay, well, fantastic. So, you know, if you wanted to uh, get your signed copy, go to Sonoma. And get there a nice Get a nice glass of wine. You're in California wine country, so. But, Actually, uh, I will. I, I, uh, sorry, if, if I can just add a quick addendum to that. The... Um, uh, signed copies can now not yet, but they uh, they will be available probably through the um, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway store. Um, James and I both will usually sign a hundred books or something like that, and that they'll keep at their warehouse. So people can buy signed copies there. Um, uh, uh, now that's not yet. I don't know if they have any of the first book left, but other than, uh, if you can't make it to Sonoma, that is there's 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 always an op- there's other options. Otherwise, send me an email. I'll, I'll send you one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Excellent self-promotion, man. You know, Christopher, you yeah. are a genius. So, But you spent your weekend at the Grand Prix of Toronto where we saw uh, James finish fourth. Um, his teammate Wickens finished third. But, man, it was, a, it was an exciting race. 
uh, you know, other than Dixon getting out front and, and just killing everybody else, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of bumping and banging. There's like, a lot of, like, NASCAR stuff going on in the IndyCar race. At the same time, NASCAR race, we saw a really clean and kind of static race. So, But uh, this Grand Prix of Toronto was uh, a really fantastic race. They had a great crowd on hand. Um, and they're hoping to, to continue to have a great crowd on hand with th- these uh, Canadian stars such as James Hinchcliffe and Robert Wickens. So now, Chris, you, you know Wickens because um, him and your brother have been friends forever. Uh, you know, getting him into the IndyCar series, who would have thought he'd have been this good, huh? Uh, well, we all did. Um, well, you know, yeah. Now, now is James, is James worried? <laughs> is James worried he's stealing his Canadian thunder? Oh, not at all. Not at all. No, I, it's. I, I. I mean, listen. I. I don't. I don't know if I'm. If I'm ruining the game or something. But, uh, and I, I. I know a lot of people want to make it seem like like these boys are in, are in competition with each other. But honestly, I mean, James and Robbie just they get on so well. Robbie is like. I mean, he's a phenomenal driver, and we all knew that before he before he mm-hmm. came on board. Um, uh, you know, you, you, you're not you, you don't get you don't get a job as a as a Mercedes uh, uh, you know factory test driver. Uh, you know, if you're if you're if you're if you're no good, right? Um, and and so so having him over here is is just. I mean, to me, it's it's great for James. It's great having a teammate that he gets along with. It's great having a teammate with a similar driving style. And with his own, you know, batch of experience that they can share with each other. You know, James is coaching him a little bit on how Indy is different from other stuff. And, and Robbie's got all his experience um, and just his raw talent. That's, that's not only sharing with James, but pushing James. So, yeah, I mean, sure, they're competitive. I mean, they get on the track and they both want to win. There's no doubt about that. But, um, but no, I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be nothing, nothing but good for both of them. I agree. You've got if you got two two teammates who are willing to share information and to push one another to be better. I, I mean, you know, what what better thing can you have? You know, it's like we, we saw James win in Iowa. You know, a little bit of a surprise, but there he was right at the end where he needed to be. And and Robbie has been. See, I've never called him Robbie till you did. No, I picked up on it. <laughs> so. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, you know, Wickens is like, he's like taken to indie cars like uh, a fish to water. So um, it's great to see those two guys. How long have they been friends? Uh, they're they're like go cars together, right? Yeah, I mean, I want to say, I mean, I want to say like ten since the age of ten or something like that. I mean, there's a, there's a great picture of them that came out back when uh, when Robbie was first announced. Of the two of them standing over a standing over a go kart on a stand uh, back back in the day, probably at Goodwood Cartways or something. But uh, you know, I mean, it was like it, it was around then. Like they've they, they've they've been friends for you know well over fifteen years um, now. And uh, uh, so, and and, and I and I say and I knew I knew I knew Robbie back then, but I, I you know I've gotten to know him better since since he's come back, and and, and we've been you know I've hung out with him a few times. Uh, in the last couple of years and uh, yeah, just that, you know, the nicest, the nicest guy. And, uh, but you know, fierce, fierce competitor. Oh, fierce competitor for sure. Yeah. And it looks like his fiercest competitor has been Alexander Rossi. 
who's uh, and IndyCar's trying to make a little bit of a rivalry between Rossi and Wickens, right? Or IndyCar's looking for a bad guy, right? So IndyCar needs you know, a bad I, guy. Does IndyCar need a bad guy, Gray? Gray, you've been quiet all night. Gray, does IndyCar need a bad guy? Yeah, everybody. You know, every circuit needs a needs a bad guy. Needs a villain. You know, the what guy in the white hat, guy in the black hat, good versus evil. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it. You know, it sells tickets. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the. Uh, I think the the the, th- the, thing, the thing about characterizing uh, Rossi as a bad guy is that uh, you know I mean I, I I know him a little bit and my my impression is that he just he couldn't care less what you call him he just wants to win. Yeah. Uh, oh, exactly. So, like, yeah. You yeah. you want you want to call him? You know, he just he gets out there and you hear it in the interviews. You, you know, you, you see, there's no question. I mean, he's a uh, he's an aggressive driver. He's a very talented driver. Um, you know, I, I have not, I have nothing but respect for, for Alex as a driver. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's definitely moments where I watch races and I'm thinking, oh my, oh my God, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to take everyone out, you know? And I don't, I don't know if it's luck or it's skill that there hasn't been a bigger incident. I mean, obviously that we know that first race, um, where, uh, where, where Robbie did not, uh, uh, finish, uh, when he was leading. Um, yeah, you know, back at the same Pete, same Pete. Yep, the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know it. And neither one of them won. There's, there's racing. And there's neither racing. one of them won. The French guy won the race. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian Bourdais you know, won the race. Yeah, go ahead, Greg. My, pers- my perspective comes from NASCAR, and, and of course, you know, open wheel racing is a little bit different discipline than than stock cars are. When you've got fenders and things like that. You know, uh, aggression takes a whole different different tone, you know, so to speak. So, yeah, I think when we talk about good versus evil and 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 the, and the villain, you see more of that in the cut in, the, in, in NASCAR than you do in other other forms of motorsports because the, the the way you know on oval tracks and things like that, it actually the type of racing we do sort of lends itself to that so but yeah but but rivalries i guess it, to, to tone it down a little bit rivalries are always good in, in motorsports, sports and i think it it generates a lot of interest uh, among the fans and uh and it's good you know when you've got you've got different fan bases rooting you know rooting for their guy against another guy it uh, it, it it makes the races more exciting oh absolutely yeah you need those storylines in there yeah, so at the end of the day, Scott Dixon extended his points lead because his uh, his rivals uh, kind of took one another. We had uh, Will Power running into trouble, Ryan Hunter Ray running into trouble, um, Rossi running into trouble. Uh, so, uh, Richard, you think Dixon's going to run away with this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, simple, the guys took a simple, guys simple, took simple answer right there. Yeah. So. Uh, He's not going to blow a point lead. He's not going to give it away. That's for sure. No, I mean, uh, the urge is, is, are they still doing the double points at Sonoma? Yeah. You know, if somebody decides to take him out at the first corner, and whoever, you know, that's the only way that I can see him. You know, anything happening. But the it was ironic. You know, at the start of the season, they were complaining that you know Ganassi, they were nowhere. They couldn't get the car dialed in. You know, the new aero kit, they were struggling massively, and it just shows that. 
you know, an experienced team that gets its head down and works through it and doesn't jump to knee-jerk reactions when something doesn't quite go their way, um, you know, eventually they'll, they'll prevail with it. And they've been, I think they've been fantastic this year. I mean, it's, it's probably more impressive what they've done than what you've seen in the past when one car or one manufacturer dominates it. The way they've progressed is brilliant. Where do you want me to put this? It, it, <laughs> it, has, it has been brilliant, actually. I'm not sure where Gray's wife wanted to put this, but... Um, <laughs> I could get a few <laughs> I'm sorry, Gray. But, um, yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, Dixon is about running away with this thing, but, but it, as long as we've watched the IndyCar racing, we know that Dixon is the guy that'll jump up and steal it from you um, when you think you have it in your hand. Ask Will Power, you know, ask uh, Montoya, ask uh, Castro yeah. Nevis. Yeah, so can, is there anybody there that can jump up and steal it from Dixon? Christopher Hinchcliffe, I'm going to ask you. Well, I mean, I might, I might first point out, as a, as a wise man once said, that uh, given all the variables uh, on a racetrack, uh, it's the most likely place for miracles to happen. Yeah, so, I, I, I read that in a book somewhere. Very good book, by the way. <laughs> yeah, whoever wrote that must know yeah, what they're talking oh, about. Uh, yeah, it sounds pure genius. Um, no, listen, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, but it's true. I mean, it's true. I mean, the, the, you know, he's, he, there's no question he's got a points lead. There is no question that, that, that Dixie is, uh, uh, is a phenom, quite possibly the best driver out there, if not, uh, if not ever. Um, you know, and I say, you know, with all due respect to my own, my brother and all the other drivers, my brother would be the first to admit that. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't count Joseph out. I wouldn't count Alex out. You know, there's, there's, I, I, I wouldn't even count Will uh, and, and, and Hunter Ray out. It's, it's, there's still plenty of racing left to do. So I mean I I, I don't I wouldn't put my money on anyone just yet. Good advice. Yep, this is way too early to call. Now, Richard, you have some inside info on McLaren. Well, I was wondering if uh, if our guest has any inside info on uh, you know talking about uh, Scott Dixon. You know, there's rumours that uh, you know he's been approached by McLaren uh, you know for next year or Alonso. You know, it's it's strange how you know probably two months ago, around the time of Indy, you know, it was a done deal. Alonso was going to be driving an Indy car next year with a, a McLaren badged Andretti car, and you know, for the last couple of months, it's all gone very quiet. And uh, you know, wondering um, you know what the talk in the uh, near nearer the series is. Uh, I mean, honestly, I mean the uh, the I I don't I, I don't know any more than I think you guys do. Um, but then again, if I did, I'm not sure I'd be able to say anything. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, at, at this point, I, as far as I know, I mean, there are rumors, there are rumors, um, uh, you know, there are talks, I think, but, uh, no, I don't, I don't know anything more than that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. There, 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 there you go. Yeah. Yep. I, I don't know why you would ask a book author about, uh. McLaren rumors, what? but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love you guys. Dudes, we got about four minutes left in the show, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Seth and I spent our weekend at Kentucky Speedway uh, to see Mark Truex Jr. nail down one more win uh, to take him within one of the other two guys that have won five with his uh, Harvick and Kyle Busch. So, Seth... Uh, we got about three minutes left in the show. Just run us through Kentucky real quick. It was a really clean race. 
which which does not was. which that does that not was. which does not sell tickets. Uh, well, at the same time, it was pretty shocking to me to see some teams that are usually powerhouse teams playing the strategy game very early in the race just to try to keep up with Truex, Kyle Busch, and Harvick. Not to beat them, but to keep up with them. That's yeah, the and they, you know, of the season the top three drivers have had. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson did the two tires, uh, stayed up front until they passed him, but that only, the two-tire strategy only works on a short green flag run, and Kentucky had some long... Long, long green flag runs. Although, to be fair, in the truck race, no, Bender, we're talking about the cup the race. Off with forty to go, we're, took no tires and went on to win. That's the cup. That's the truck race, though. Talk about the cup race. I know. I know. Okay. Yeah. So they, they, they you know, Kentucky is. This is the interesting thing, right? So back to our circling back to uh, talk about IndyCar. Somebody friend of mine asked the president of Kentucky Speedway, you know, what are your thoughts on hosting IndyCar back at Kentucky? And the dude says, we would love to have uh, IndyCar back at Kentucky, but our phone hasn't rang. So, I, I mean, the, the Kentucky, Kentucky right now has, they've got, the, the you know, the July Cup date, they've got the fall Xfinity date that nobody comes. They could. They could uh, they use don't have one that more. Say well. So there you go. So they got one date. They could use IndyCar back in the schedule, but IndyCar is going to uh, Laguna Seca. They're dropping Sonoma. They're maybe maybe Texas is off the board, but Kentucky would love to have IndyCar back. They're just waiting for the phone to ring. And on that note, we are at. 58 minutes and 39 seconds. So, where are we racing next week, Gray? We're racing in Loudoun, New Hampshire this weekend. All right. Seth, who do you like for Loudoun? Uh, I think Martin Tricks Jr. will go back-to-back for the first time in his cup career. Okay. Richard, who do you like for Loudoun? Kyle Lawson. Gray? Kyle Bush. Christopher? You get to pick a NASCAR driver for the race. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Kyle Busch. Last one I heard. That's that's the extent uh, of my insight. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. So, and then um, Indy, IndyCar is going to be at Mid Ohio. So, who do you like for Mid Ohio? Ooh, uh, Christopher. Yeah, I've asked Christopher first. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm thinking it's a uh, it's a uh, Hinchcliffe Wickens one two. That's what I'm. Okay. I'm, I'm, the, the, I'm hey, why that. not? Yeah, Seth, who you like? Uh, I'll go with Hunter Ray. Right, Hunter Ray. Okay, Richard. Ooh, Robert Wickens. And Gray. Will Power. He can't keep a good man down. He needs to. He needs to uh, bounce back. And I'm gonna pick. James Hinchcliffe, just to appease my guest, who's a man out tomorrow. You know what, Chris? You've been a fantastic guest tonight. You're the first guest that has stayed on for the full hour and not jumped off after the uh, <laughs> jumped off after the interview. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a treat. 
It's you know what? You have been a treat. You absolutely have. So, but uh, we are we are out of time. Um, I want to thank you, Gray, Seth, Richard. I want to thank everybody that listens in. I want to thank iHeartRadio for hosting us. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network and say, guys, we'll be on next week. Next week, our guest will be Jeremy Millis from the Alexander Rossi team, the chief engineer. So uh, tune in for that for sure. But in the meantime, man, get on Amazon and buy Chasing Checkers Acceleration. You will love it. I promise. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.